Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 132 of the podcast, and today I'm joined by Kate Doty. Now, for those who haven't heard of Kate, she is, like my name of the podcast says, she's a true inspiration, and whereas that's come from not being born with a hand, um, competing for Australia at the highest level in equestrian, in dressage, and she talks about um, the work ethic, the struggles of commitment to get there, and what it was like to be in a sport that wasn't reliant on her own ability going through with a horse, getting attached to that horse, different life struggles, and then after that, falling on her feet literally into paratriathlons and her goal to represent Australia. She did that at the Rio Games where she got a fifth place, which was awesome. And we talk about her drive and passion to get to Tokyo. And that is where her focus is at the moment. Now, as well as that, today we are fortunate enough to have Lil Hendrix, her nine-month-year-old, lovely little boy. He's enjoying the podcast with us. So in the background, if you hear Hendrix trying to talk, I think he's just saying how proud of his mummy is and everything she's doing. So, guys, this isn't a. There's so many takeaways, so many amazing messages, and Kate is an inspiration. So, enjoy our chat. This is episode number 132. podcast. I'm really excited. On location with Kate Doughty. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, we're joined by your lovely little son here. Little Henrik, yes. Now, how's life changed since uh, obviously, have, uh, obviously having a baby? Yeah, he's um, he's nine months old this week and um, look, his life has changed but in a good way. Um, he definitely brings a lot of energy and warmth into our lives and um, He's quite funny and he thinks, I think he sort of teaches me to be a bit more patient and, um, you know, not to sweat the small stuff yeah, too yeah. much. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Now, before you put the pacifier in, he was quite loud. Yes. I can already tell you're quite loud and I'm quite loud. I reckon some people would cross the line reckon that I'd need a pacifier sometimes. Possibly. Um, my <laughs> husband probably would want one for me too. <laughs> All right. So, okay, let's go and dive back a little bit. So, obviously, you've got a lovely family now and everything like that. What was your upbringing like? Yeah, my upbringing was great. Um, ironically, you know, I'm in triathlon, but I was brought up, um, I guess, the sport that was the the theme in my family was equestrian and horses. So my dad's in um, the horse racing industry and my mum was heavily into horse riding when she was younger. Um, I think my brother sort of lucked out because all he ever wanted was a motorbike. And, <laughs> that was not coming. That didn't come. And <laughs> he didn't take to the horse too well. And so I was on a horse for 20 years. So um yeah, upbringing was great. We, you know, fortunate enough, um, went to some great schools and um, had a lot of opportunity with sport or activities that we wanted to do. And equestrian was mine, so um, I couldn't hold the reins without having a right hand. Obviously, we couldn't hold them the normal way as such and um, took a lot of trial and error and falling off to figure it out. Yeah, so this is obviously born without your right hand. Um, How did you do that? I know there's always, when there's a will, there's a way and there's so many things you can do today that just don't, no limitations, but obviously horse riding, I've I've done it, not very good, but it would help to have two hands. Yeah, you know, it's really an interesting topic and as I've got older, um, just, you know, in general of not having a hand and um, separate to sort of how I rode horses, but not having a hand for me, I, the kids these days, there's, I don't know, there's all these like 3D printed hand prosthetics. There's some amazing things out there. And, 
um, or finger to toe, toe, toe to finger hands, um, transplants and stuff, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've got, uh, five finger buds. So it's hard, obviously for people listening, they can't see it, but technically my hand is just what everyone's like when they were growing and mine just stopped. stopped so yeah. they had a, the doctors at the time saying they could cut these off okay yeah for whatever reason cosmetic looking or i don't know yeah and my parents were just like no no we're gonna um keep them and i'm so glad they did because i use them you know like tying my shoelaces and they're really handy and i can move one of them and um so it's bizarre because i I speak to people and um if they've got little kids and they're like oh should we do the um and it's very personal but should we do the toe transplant where they take toe off and then put yep. it on his fingers and then like well then they're missing toes and people sort of have this idea set that you can't do everything that someone with two hands could do and it's totally not true I mean I was born without a hand so I don't know any different yeah, right yeah, yeah. so yep. that's what that's my normal yeah so I learned how to do things um just my own way and I think I was told um, my mum told me that when I was younger I used to always try to reach with my right hand and then obviously couldn't grab whatever I was going for and went to the left so um yeah it's so trial and error and everything um over time and with the horses quite funny I got fitted with a, a my electric hand at seven okay so you know for seven years I was just that was a norm I learned how to do everything the only thing I really struggled with that I'd get frustrated with was um Swinging on the monkey bars. I uh, that properly. Yep. But I've learnt later on that not many people are good at it anyway. No, Ben, have you seen many adults try and do it? They can't do it. Not, not that easy. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, I would put it on at the hospital and, you know, be all polite and stuff. And then I remember walking out of the Rotterdam's hospital and, like, it was amazing, you know, this prosthetic that would open and close. and. Yep. I would put it on and be like, yeah, cool, I've got two hands. And then I would literally pull it off and just shove it in my mum's handbag. But just because you, you were used to not having it? Yeah, and it yeah. felt like it was like walking, what it would feel like on my left hand, like on my normal hand, would be like having um, a glove over my hand but with no finger holes. So like almost like a mitten, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, you can't So just do really it. restrictive from I what like you normally do. I couldn't do anything, yeah. Wow. So it was kind of funny. So now people are like seem to think that... Um, their child won't be able to do stuff if they don't have it, if there's issues with not having a prosthetic or this and that. And so um, for me, I kind of just want to say, it's okay, they're going to be fine, you know, everyone will figure it out. And um, it's kind of cool to be different. And, you know, I've had so many opportunities throughout my life because of not having a hand. So um, my life definitely hasn't been boring. So, so, yeah, I love that. So do you think it's more people's perception that, because you don't have a hand, you can't do things. Whereas you never had that hand, so what means you can't do it? That's I can do anything, yeah. but it's what other people think or they categorise. Definitely, and I think in, with disability in general, yeah, I think it's been a big one. Right. And, yeah, um, people sort of seem to assume that people, whether in a wheelchair, don't have a hand, leg, um, foot, or whatever it is, vision impaired, that they can't do certain things. But um, you know, people learn how to do things. I, I do um, understand that if someone has acquired a disability yeah, um, yeah. or lost a limb as such, then it definitely is a lot harder yeah. because it's a loss. Well, and you haven't spent your whole life, you've, you've taken something away, whereas you never knew what it was. Like, that's just normal, isn't yeah. it? Like, whereas I can understand with someone if they go through an accident or they amputated for something, then it, then it would be different. It's different, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of that, you know, there's a lot around identity as well to a, of a loss. So... Um, that that is very hard, and that yeah. that's a bit of a different area. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I mean, the horses, I tried the My Electric Hand to Ride when I had a pony. Okay. So um, it essentially just went on my arm like a, a socket. And yeah. I've got a wrist. I'm quite long in the arm. And I would hold the horse, hold the reins, and it was attached to the reins. And I was only learning how to ride at the time. And then the horse kind of, I still to this day say that he, you know, he was bolting. It was probably just in a slow walk or something. <laughs> Go with bolting. Yeah, I know it sounds better. And I, I got thrown off. I think I just slid off the side. Um, and it was kind of funny once mum came over and, you know, she was in hysterics and I was fine. But then the horse was over the other side of the paddock and still had the my electric hand attached oh. to the to the range. Was that the sign? Yeah. Was that your sign? So we're kind of like, I'd, we probably won't use that. And then after time... Um, trial and error from nodding reins to lots of different things and then um yeah just I ended up using nothing and I ended up to ride at the high level in dressage which is the the path I went down you needed to ride with four reins so two on each side so so yeah so talk to me how did that's great so you so have you've gone um, double from like just all riding which yeah. a lot of people struggle I I personally really struggle horse right now you've gone to four reins yeah so for for the higher levels in dressage you have two bits in the horse's mouth so then you have two sets of reins and so to hold the reins I would essentially um put so what I did is on the rein I would put a little slip through each rein okay and then i would put another piece of leather through that okay so it was essentially a loop okay and it went around and then my wrist which i'm i'm you know quite lucky to have because it is quite useful through that so um it gave me um the feel that i needed to not be too um rigid but yeah. to have a softer feel and i could use my wrist to sort of give the rein and or take more contact and then um if i fell which wasn't that often, thank God, um, I would fall free. So nothing was attached. Yeah, because that would be the hard thing to be, like, locked in and then it yeah. could drag you. So there's probably safety. Safety as well, yeah. So And I learned that to be the the easiest way. It's kind of funny because I tried lots of different things. So I, I must admit my favourite riding is just one-handed, though, and just like, almost like a cowboy. Just <laughs> hold the reins in one hand and just go for it out. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously now you you've represented Australia in question, which is an amazing event. Your your goal was to also go to the Olympics. Yeah. What what happened? Um, yeah, it, it's it is it's well. What happened? I um yeah, I was on a horse for about twenty years and wanted to go to to the Paralympics for a long time, and um that was my dream and goal ever since I was a kid, and um I made the long list. For um, Beijing, and then I, I missed out on that team selection, and then yeah, is that what you think about? That? <laughs> you, is that Henry? You weren't happy with that either, mate. You weren't bored, but that, that wasn't the right decision, mate. <laughs> and then, um, and then, so with Equestrian, we have uh, the World Equestrian Games, World Equestrian Games, and they're every four years in okay. between Olympic cycles. So they're essentially they're pretty big. Yep. They're just as big as like um, the Olympics or Paralympics. So I was lucky enough to make that team in 2010. Um, and that was an amazing experience. But it was, um, you know, a, a difficult one as well because my horse that I had had since I was, he was five, I had trained him all the way up to the higher levels and um, he would have been about seven at the time maybe a little bit younger and um he got 
the flight that they went on that took our horses over, uh, the carrier um, pulled out at the last minute. So they ended up going on this, this flight that was like a 72-hour journey. And my horse, I didn't know until I got... We were in Kentucky in the USA, and after two hours of quarantine... Sorry, two days of quarantine for the horses, um, he arrived at the venue... Um, I was being told he was fine and everything and then he literally could hardly walk coming off the truck so he, he'd got this thing called stress laminitis and just from tra- like travelling so travel st- yeah stress from the travel and without going into like you know the details of it all from a, a technical perspective but basically it was touch and go the laminitis is like in the feet okay um, and it either can heal or it, it can't yeah and that's not a good you know, ending really. So this was going on and, um, it, you know, I'd spent so much of my life preparing for something like this. So it was what happened in that competition was I couldn't really um, train for those two weeks leading to the event and um, it was just icing my horse's legs and the farrier had put some amazing shoes on him and it was really touch and go. Um, and then, um, and then oh, yeah, I was just sort of supporting my teammates and then... So I, I ended up competing. He sort of came through for the competition just, but unfortunately it just wasn't this performance that I knew we were capable of, yeah. so it was really hard. And then that year, though, so my mum had been heavily involved in the equestrian because she wrote when she was younger and we kind of did it together. Yeah. And she'd been at pretty much every event throughout my career, you know. This was sort of a goal of both of ours. And unfortunately that year qualifying for this um the World Equestrian Games, she had her, she had breast cancer five years beforehand yeah. and it had come back, so she was really, really sick. So while I was trying to actually qualify for the this World Equestrian Games... <laughs> really? <laughs> really? You wanted to qualify too, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> I, um, I was her full-time carer. Okay. So, so she chose not to have any form of... Um, Western medicine, so it was really tough time. So, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, my horse um, had to stay over in the States um, a bit longer. Couldn't come back. Well, he couldn't come back straight away. He missed the flight home with the other horses because I competed last on the last day. and So it was a bit of a debacle. It was a really, really, should have been a great time. It was a really tough time. And then, um, yeah, and then... And then I flew on to Mexico to see my mum because she had gone there for treatment, so it was pretty full on. And um, and then after that I came home and I still competed, um, but with the way my horse was and travel-wise, I wasn't going to be able to sort of be an eligible um, combination for something like London. So I rode with the team for a bit um, after that and then I think I even maybe did the trials for London but it just wasn't going to be our time again and he wouldn't have been able to go on a plane again and that stress of that long flight so so many things going on in your life and you're trying to obviously perform your best ability but it's pretty hard in a sport where it relies so heavily upon a horse yeah and it was tough and that's it was challenging and then um I rode for a bit longer and unfortunately we lost mum to breast cancer probably like uh, maybe two or three months after that event. So yeah. it was a pretty tough time. And, um, 
Yeah, and as you say, relying on a horse, it's tough. You're going out there competing with two brains. And yeah. The horse I rode, his name was El Capone, and um, he just was a phenomenal horse. And to be honest, I don't think I'd ever get another horse like him. So he was such a great horse, and yeah. I was very um, privileged to have the opportunity to sort of compete on him. But, yeah, and then um, I kind of thought that was it, you know. I hit a pretty rough spot in life. I kind of thought... If I'm not, if I'm not a horse rider, because then the farm was sold and the horses were sold, and I was just sort of competing national level stuff, and I kind of thought, wow, if I'm not this horse rider, so you a bit lost, obviously very, losing so many very, things that you grew up with, and that's all. I'm guessing that was your life. It was, you know, and I was always someone that always had this goal or a vision, and um, but kind of knew where I would be or what I'd be doing every six to 12 months over the next five or six years yep. because, you know... This All was, the events. Yeah, yep. and I just didn't really have that. So I was ser- seriously lost for a bit. And um, it, it, it was funny because I was always so structured and organised and... Um, had to do A to achieve B and all this stuff and then I kind of didn't have I just had all this sort of free time and didn't really have Mm. wasn't at training sessions and stuff so I kind of embraced that in the sense that I was grieving quite heavily but also you know I had had a lot of fun at the same time but I was just sort of out and partying and and then I got to a stage where I I was finishing my degree at the time too um, so I still was sort of studying. I was just sort of... So you're a psychologist as well? Yeah, yeah, ironically. So um, I ended up doing my master's in the end in organisational psychology. Yep. Um, so at this time, um, after losing mum and sort of the horse sort of side of things ending, I was doing my fourth year in psych. So that probably kept me a bit grounded and then I was essentially probably living a student life for a bit. And yeah, which you probably hadn't before, as I was saying, like, yeah. Not not to that extent, yeah. no. Like, all my friends would always go out. I'd go out every now and then, but not as much. Or they'd go away on trips and I'm like, I can't go, I've got competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was embracing it um, and that was fun, but then I just got to a point where I, was, I wasn't happy. I didn't, like, my, my health wasn't super bad but it wasn't great um and deep down I just had this burning desire to somehow figure out like I would love to one day maybe get to the Paralympics but I kind of was starting to resign to the fact that maybe that wouldn't happen but yeah so I was just sort of going with the flow and so so then how did you go from a horse to a a run a bike and a swim like what what was there someone something an event yeah, it's it, it's bizarre and such an awesome um, it's an awesome thing to experience because it's just taught me so much. But I um, when I was a kid, I used to swim okay. and I used to love swimming. So how was that without the hand as well? Because obviously, you generate a lot of power. Yeah, which means your legs need to be better. Is that well? It? Yeah, someone said that to me this morning. I'm like, I don't know. You have to ask my coach on that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, I do know that, like you know, my left side is quite strong. I've always been quite. I was quite strong in the water just naturally. Um, but the, my right side is a lot weaker. So, yeah. you know, if you swim with one arm, I can, there's not much happening with the right side as opposed to the left. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I really enjoyed it as a as a kid. And then I obviously chose the horses instead. Yep. Um, running, no way. If you chased me, I'd just 
give up. Like, I'm not a runner, <laughs> nothing. That's normally the rule of thumb, though, isn't it? There's one leg that doesn't come. There's always one that one that, Yeah. Like, I've learned a lot of people hate to swim, but yeah. it's not right that. And then the bike, um, no issues with it, just never really had done much on a bike, so I was a lot more happier on a horse, to be honest. Um, and I was at the AIS, um, at the Australian Institute of Sport. We're at a camp there without horses. And um, we were just in the pool and doing some stuff in the gym. And mind you, this was probably two years before I... Um, it was probably 2008, 2009. So just sort of a lot earlier on. And someone had said to me, oh, you know, you should think about triathlon. It's, um, it's going to debut at the Rio. Um, so they gave you... That, and that stuck in your head? Yeah, and it, it did, but it was way far back, far back. Yeah. Like it had lots of other other goals, and a question was a path. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, it'd be great to be fit. Like, I always called them the proper athletes. What's that? The, what, the, the, like, the people that swim, bike, and run. <laughs> Being equestrian, it was always about the horse. Yeah. So we, you still got to be fit, though. Yeah, we're, well, it's a different fitness, for sure. But I learned, you know, like, priority was a horse. Yeah. And then we're just like, oh. We'll just come last. But, um, <laughs> and then I've learned a lot now that, you know, you need to look after your body a lot better than I did then. <laughs> but, yeah, so, and then, you know, it played around in my mind and then I wanted to feel better after this time in my life when I wasn't feeling great and yeah. I wasn't definitely wasn't happy. I had a lot of issues with some depression and anxiety, which I still still have to deal with. And um, I just went and started, I just went down to the guys that did some personal training near home and got involved there and they were great and I really enjoyed that and then um, went and did a triathlon had absolutely no idea what I was doing <laughs> had no idea I couldn't figure out why everyone's going so fast on their bikes and I, did you have like an old mountain bike or it something? wasn't even a mountain bike it was a thing and I had a bell on it and everything and I'm like why can't I go fast and I look back now and think oh my god that was so embarrassing but I, I loved every minute of it yeah good you know and I'm like this is awesome like I want to do this and yeah and then I kind of I got introduced through Triathlon Australia, got introduced to a coach and just sort of went from there. And what I realised was that I had been in high-performance sport for a long time with Equestrian, um, but I actually had no idea about triathlon. So I had the right tools um, mentally and I just had to sort of relay them into a, a different environment. Yeah. And that meant learning that... I have to be a learner, an absorber of knowledge and basically go back to... to so starting again. Yeah. Like when you're riding your horse and you, yep. you obviously your hand stayed on yeah. there and things like that. Yeah. So with that, so... Hey, Henry. So when you were going uh, through the rough period, mm. do you think just moving your body was, you know, just getting your body moving again? Is, is that sort of what sort of helps, you know, starting small? It definitely... Um, it definitely kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't say saved me as such, but it, it, it sort of made my life so much happier, made me happier, yeah. you know, and it, it just led to a lot of amazing things, meeting some amazing people, including my husband, and just, not that I met him in triathlon, I met him yeah. at a pub, but still. <laughs> as all good yeah. relationships start. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I just, I found it, and the exercise, you know, I didn't have to necessarily go to the extremes of doing elite triathlon, but just to go for a, a, a job or um, 
doing something in the gym, just moving. Yeah. You know, I felt so much better. Yeah. And it just helped. So yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? It's probably when you are struggling, it's the last thing you feel like doing. Yeah. But it's just a one thing that helps so yeah. much. And I um someone said it to me a while ago and I still think about it all the time. You never regret the the session you've just done. Never. Doesn't matter how bad it is. You Doesn't matter how bad it is, does it? No. Nah. Yeah. And I sometimes, you know, go for a hard slog or something or going out for a run or marriage or whatever and, you know, I could be fatigued or whatever. But I always come back thinking, oh, I feel better for that. Yeah. Or the next day I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm glad I got through that session. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about kicking goals every time I do a session or hitting PBs and it's definitely not our focus, but it's getting through it, you know, yeah. and just... Yeah, just moving your body. It's so important. So obviously you started out now from ringing your bell on the bike. You weren't going very fast. Yeah. How long? That's not a very long turnaround, and you're representing Australian Rio. Like I don't want to jump too far ahead, but um, obviously your competitive nature, your swimming ability, running weren't bad, and swimming it all sort of combined and just went really well. Yeah, you mean on at, for Rio? Or yeah, just like just in general. Because like, I don't think many people at Rio with a bell on their bike can be on a stage. <laughs> no, and I definitely didn't have a bell on my bike at Rio. Um, I, um, I, just, I just learnt, you know, how to do it all. And Rio, I wasn't... I, they said it takes a good, I think, like minimum two to three years to really find yourself in a sport like triathlon. Um, the... Bonus for me, even though I probably weren't as young as I could have been, I was um, physically my body was good. I didn't have any injuries and everything. So I was only still in my infancy in the sport. So um, I won the bronze medal at my first world championships in triathlon. It's still one of my highlights of my career. And And Henrik's pretty happy too. He's like, happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's seen a few triathlons already. Um, yeah, and Rio, you know, I personally didn't have the best race um, on the day. But Still I came fifth? Yeah, right? yeah, came fifth. Yeah. And I, I had a great swim and um, bike wasn't too bad. And then I kind of just, it sort of just faded out from there. But it, it, it was a big deal. It was a very emotional Thing for me, you know. Finally got there. I finally got yeah. there, and yeah. it was just that. Was like, it as good? Was it as good as you thought it always would be? I think it's so much to take in. You know, you yeah. still sort of absorb it over time yep. after the event. And um, I just remember some things. I remember the the crowd because we were on Copacabana Beach. Like it was a pretty awesome spot. What a spot to be! Crowd was so loud. Yeah, and it was awesome, and that can be overwhelming at times. But I was just, it was hard for me because emotionally it was kind of like, oh. I finally got there yeah. and I didn't want, I'd sort of been running on this adrenaline that I had this unfinished business for years, right? And yeah. it was kind of to do it for my mum as well. Like yeah, it was yeah, this yeah. thing we wanted to do together yeah. and I was... Now you're actually me. doing it. And I remember being on the start, the start line. So we had to, before we had to swim out to the pontoon where we started, um, they do athlete introduction. And I was just like thinking, you know, I know at the end of this race, I'm going to sit down and going to be like, oh, thank God it's done. Yeah. yeah. And I remember being there... Um, standing up in the lineup with all the athletes, they're introducing us and they said, you know, from Australia, blah, blah, Kate Dowdy. And I have never experienced something like this before, but I literally could have just collapsed. Yeah, like That was it? I'm like, like oh, no. It's like I've every, every, I'm here, right? Yeah. And like mentally, is it completed it? That was mentally, all you needed? But I hadn't even raced oh, no, yet. But, but you, you like, ticked that goal. I was like, well, I'm here. <laughs> I, you know, maybe mentally 
telling you it wasn't about anything else. It was just about getting there. But like, no, no, no. I've done all this hard work. I've done this. So it was a big day for me for lots of lots of reasons. And I just that that feeling. It was literally this huge weight off my shoulders. It yeah. was such a phenomenal feeling, really. And um, yeah, maybe just an hour or so a bit too early. So I was carrying that through it. So I don't know how it all sort of impacted me throughout that race, yeah. but was definitely young in the young in the sport. So it's nice to. Um, hopefully be able to go back come Tokyo and yep. um, just give another crack because I came home. I was interstate for um, pre-Rio and then I came home back to Melbourne and um, started with a new squad and um, with the low-tech pro triathlon under Danielle Stefano and it's just I've learned so much more um, yep. then in triathlon and everything. So, um, yeah, and I've grown a lot as an athlete too. And so you reckon now that <clears throat> going again, obviously you've got – just that raw emotion, you know, and the energy that that would have zapped from you. Do you reckon it'd probably be still nerve-wracking when they read your name out and things like that, but Every you probably know how to deal with it. is always nerve-wracking. Yeah, you know, I that's good, know. though. Nerves are good. Yeah, you, you do need it. Yeah. Like, yes, you do need some form of nerves, otherwise it'll be a bit boring, wouldn't yeah. it? But um, they play this music. I don't know if you've seen some of the, the our ITU racing, but you, you're on, like, a pontoon or on the beach, wherever the race start is. Before you jump in, yeah. And they play this music, and it's like, it's literally this. Duh, 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 duh. Oh, like a heartbeat. Duh, duh, duh. It's a heartbeat. <laughs> so you're all sitting there going, oh my God, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. And it's like, then they play this heartbeat, and then you feel like your heart's going out miles an hour, and then they're like, take your marks, and then you start all swimming, and like, you're like, oh, I'm oh going So, yeah, it's. um. During they do that deliberately. During they do it deliberately to build anticipation. Oh, it definitely does. It does. It does. It's um, yeah. So it's pretty full on. But yeah, like you know, I think uh, you've always got to have a bit of, bit of nerves because that's what it's all about, performance, yeah. right? You know, and it's all about trying to trying to better yourself and do well. And um, for me, the biggest person I never want to let down is is myself. Yep. You know because. Um, it can get tough out there and I don't want to finish a race going, why didn't I just, you know, learn to push it a bit more or go that little bit harder or yep. do something a bit more different because it's a, a real thinking sport as well yep. out on course. Um, so that's what I just focus on and it's definitely a mind game more than anything as well as the physical side. Yeah, cool. So obviously there's so many variables that go into it and so forth, the three different legs. So what's realistic? You finished fifth, first Olympics, amazing. That's such a good achievement. Tokyo, are we going for number one? Is that obviously everyone wants to win, but is that yeah. a realistic goal that, you know, you've got a new training squad now, you've got the experience behind you? Yeah, you know, if... if if my husband was sitting here, he would say, yes, you, you have a chance to win it, Kate. And he made a good point, and it's kind of ironic that I'm a psych and I do all this work, I have a sports site, and he goes, but you need to believe that. Yeah, so you and tell I'm other like, people. Yes, that's what I tell other people. <laughs> um, and uh, 2007, no, sorry, 2000 and, um, 2017, yeah, Rio 2016, 2017 World Championships, um, I didn't have the best swim. Um, but I came out and I was gaining so much time on the bike. I loved the bike and um, unfortunately I got a little bit too trigger happy on the bike and I had a crash just on the last lap. So it cost me a bit of time. But um, And then I finished fourth. So, you know, my husband was sort of saying, you would have had a chance to be up there, you know, and I, I just don't give myself enough credit sometimes. So one thing about going into a race is I never go into a race 
saying or thinking I am going to win. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to win. Yep. But I know that if I just focus on the process and what I've been doing in training and break the race down and stay with each part as I go through the race, then that gives me the best um, best chance of, of winning. Yeah. And is, is that what you say to your clients? So is that sort of... If, you, if I was your client, how would you break it down to me? Would you say That's it like that? Yeah. <laughs> it did sound very cliche. Although sometimes, sometimes I'm out on the run and sometimes I'm out on the, in the swim or on the bike and I'm miles ahead thinking about the run. It's like, can Get back, be present. Yourself. Yeah, it's all about being present. And um, Yeah, so going to Tokyo, well, it would be nice, you know, to, um, to have a gold medal and, yeah, we're getting there and... If, Oh yeah, I'd love a gold medal, but I'm definitely not going there just to participate. Yeah. So you know, well, it's probably it a whole crack. experience as well. Yeah. So like, Tokyo is such an amazing city. Tokyo, look, I think if we said or someone said the Olympics are going to be tomorrow, they'd be ready. You yeah. know, they oh, just they'd click their fingers, and I think it'd be done overnight. Yeah, pretty I've had, amazing. Um, we raced in Yokohama, and I've had three years of racing in Yokohama, and three three wins there, and. Um, I just love going to Japan. Yeah. So to make it to Tokyo, yes, would be amazing. Um, but you know, this time around, it's different again. I've got more experience, but I've also got a little little boy. You've got and a cheer squad. Yeah. So I um, yeah, I want to just go out and give it my all. I love that. Now, one other thing that obviously you're doing a lot of you, you're doing a lot of keynotes, doing a lot of speaking, and so forth like that. What what's it's obviously inspiring people with your story. It's amazing from everything you've done from Naomi Hand, Equestrian Triathlon, Olympics, everything like that. What's sort of the, the main message or what are you trying to bring across when you're talking in these seminars and workshops and so forth? I, I'm always humbled and flattered, you know, when people say, oh, your story's amazing and um, you've done some amazing things and... And I, I sort of think, oh, yeah, you know, that's great. But essentially I'm just I'm, I'm living the best version I can of my life, yeah. what, I, what I've been given. And, um, you know, just I think with losing mum too, that sort of was a bit of a, a, a new sort of news flash um, that we really do only have one shot here. Correct, yeah. And let's, let's really give it a good crack. Yeah. So um, that is probably one of my, my key messages, but... If I can talk to a room full of 10, 100 or whatever many people, if I can sort of make a difference even just in one person's life for them to go, you know what, whether it's something to do with health, like physical, mental or just something, don't even like their job or whatever, yeah. like, you know, then that to me that's great. Yeah. So if I can help people sort of make their lives a little bit easier or just happier, then, yeah, that's the key message I'd like to get across. Yeah. Do you find um, that people... Because of your story and everything you've done, you've got just the different areas you've gone and different experiences that they can relate. People can relate to at least one aspect somewhere along your story. I think so, and that's like it's so true. You know, I, I wasn't a I wasn't a sporty kid. You know, well, you just like, tell me off air that you used to wag PE. I used that? to wag PE. You know, <laughs> like I, it, it's ironic, and I am just like every other person. Like you know, I'm, I'm a, a mum with a little kid now, and. Um, I wasn't necessarily super sporty, but I fell in love with the sport and wanted to keep going. And yeah. um, it's not easy. Like, I don't – what I'm doing isn't easy. We don't win prize money. Paralympic sports, like triathlon, doesn't win prize money, so it's hard. Yeah. It can be really hard at times. Um, so, yeah, you know, just an everyday person doing what I love. And one of my key messages, um, if we could take out complexities, is 
do what you love, you know, and try and make it, it your life yeah. because it's not worth it otherwise. Well, it's such, I think that's a great message because I see it and hear it a lot. Oh, I'd love to be doing that. Oh, I'll, I'll, I, one day I'm going to do that. Mm. And I just think why... Why wait? Why wait? You make it work. And yeah. like particularly people probably say to you, oh, you put all this time and effort into doing it. You don't make any money out of it. At the end of the day, it's not really about the money, is it? It's the satisfaction, what it brings to no, your life. No, it, it makes me happy. Yeah. I love it, you know, and it makes me a better person. Admittedly, probably my husband would say a grumpier one at times. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he's not here. Um, but I love it. And for me to be able to then go to my, my son, you know, like you can do whatever you want to do in, in life. You yeah. know, the world is your oyster and give it a go. And people have a fear, you know, it's this fear of change or it's a lot easier to stay the same, you well, know, than to it's make easy to change. say. It's easy to say, I'll be able to do that. I'm going to do that one day. Yeah. yeah. And it, I like, fine, I'm doing triathlon now, but as I said, I was that, that person with no idea what I was doing. Um, a bell on my bike, which could have had two flat tyres for all I knew at the time, <laughs> um, but just gave it a crack, yeah. you know. And it opened up this world that I never knew really existed. And I feel like I'm right where I was supposed to be. So I, it's, I just think people need to just give it a shot. Yeah. Whatever probably, it is. Probably been open too. Is that how I can tell you've been open about everything you've done? You've gone into something, given it a go. I think a lot of people are too scared of what if or what will happen here or what will people say about me? They'll judge yeah. me. Yeah. Obviously, you've never had that your whole life. Because people probably said to you, you can't ride a horse, you can't do a triathlon. I'm, I'm only guessing. Is yeah, that, yeah. You know, I, I limitations kind of and I, I kind of thrive on that. Yeah, I, I, had, do, I can tell. I remember <laughs> when I um, was started triathlon and it would have been, what well, would have been less than two years out because that's only as long as I was in the sport. And um, I was at a squad session just a, like, just a, um, the, a local triathlon club. I went to one of their squad sessions. <laughs> And I was talk. I hadn't done a triathlon at this point, actually. And you can do a try, a try for people that haven't done okay, it before. Okay, so just like a, a come and try triathlon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, to come and try a, doing a race. And I was talking about doing that. And I said, oh, yeah, and I, I really want to try and go to Rio Paralympics in triathlon. He's like, wow, try, try to Rio. That's, <laughs> that sounds very far-fetched. <laughs> and I'm like going on <laughs> thank you that's what I needed now watch this space I'm like I am so going now um, yeah so yeah just 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 give it give things a go you know and life wasn't meant to be easy you know but it was it's it's meant to be great and that it's only great if we challenge ourselves and you know learn to be uncomfortable and um because we grow and develop as individuals and we're complex you know we're not simple and let's not leave lead simple lives like let's challenge ourselves and but when i say don't lead simple lives like don't get caught up in all the hype of you need to have this new gadget and this and all that yeah there's so many more things in life that will make you happy that aren't possessions and i think you've summed it up so well that Find a purpose in life, challenge yourself, and be happy doing it. Yeah. And if you can do something new each day, like you said, like everyone's got these, I suppose, limitations. Some people will let them control themselves. Yeah. You obviously haven't, Kate. Well, I just, I, I try not to. 
I think uh, I think that's great advice. And for people listening, there's so many little key takeaways from everything we've just spoken about there. Now, okay, well, before I let you go, I've got a couple of questions I always finish my interviews off with. And uh, obviously, looking back at an 18-year-old Kate, if you could from every... <laughs> put it down, put it down. <laughs> if you could look back and from everything you've done now and the life you're living and all the achievements, what would that one bit of advice you wish you could have told 18-year-old Kate? To have more confidence um, in yourself. Um, You know, probably not to care so much about other people's opinions and what they think. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's your life. Um, That that sport's cool. (laughs) That wagging sport isn't. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it's... Surround yourself with people that, you know, encourage you to be a better person and bring joy to your life and just, you know, have fun. Yeah, I think that's so true. Do you think with a lot of those come with time, though, I suppose? Not Definitely. thinking what, like, yeah. judge, people judging you or being comfortable in your own skin and having that confidence to not let it sort of worry you? Possibly. That- you know, I, um, I was always shy about not having a hand and throughout my adult life, too, I think through even triathlon more so than um, equestrian, I got more comfortable with it. And now having a son, you know, like I'm just, it is what it is. But I still, yeah, definitely feel uncomfortable about it. But I learned just to embrace that. And with uh, with people, if I feel shy, I've learned the best strategy is just to smile and say hello yeah. to people. Get on the front and foot. Most people are probably feeling the same way anyway. And over time, because I must admit, as an 18-year-old, I was quite happy to just go and have a beer somewhere and... I still like to do that, but, you know, you, you, your mind's in different places. And um, I guess the other thing I would say is that, you know, life is, is as I said before, full of challenges. Yeah. But you'll get through them. Yeah. The episode was cut a little bit short. I'm very sorry about that. Now, after this episode, I'm sure you are blown away and you're motivated by everything Kate's doing. And um, you can reach out to her, connect on Instagram. Um, I've got her other socials on uh, the show notes as well. So if you go and check those out. Um, and also contact her if, you, if you're interested in getting her to speak. I know she does a lot of speaking engagement, corporate gigs, keynotes and everything like that. Because her story is truly amazing. It is motivating and she is here to inspire. So reach out to her let her, her let her know how much her story is meant to you guys and thank you once again for listening if you love this episode or you love any of our other ones please go on itunes and leave a five-star review because the more people that leave reviews the more exposure this podcast get and you can keep getting amazing guests like kate and so forth and all just build the brand which means i can get epic guests on like I have today. So thanks again for everybody's support. Uh, We love putting this podcast together and we love everybody listening. Have a wonderful day.